this is episode number 97 with the founder and CEO of SprayNet, Carmelo Marsala. Welcome to the Path to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Wes Barefoot, where it's my mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs and existing business owners take control of their lives and create freedom for themselves through business ownership. Each episode, I'll be exploring the strategies and tactics of other successful entrepreneurs that have created freedom in their own lives while sharing what I'm learning along my own path to freedom. I'm glad you're here. Let's drop in. Welcome back and thanks for dropping into another episode here on the Path to Freedom podcast. Today, my guest is Carmelo Marsala. Carmelo is the CEO, the founder of SprayNet. SprayNet is a revolutionary franchise opportunity that is turning the painting industry upside down there's painting there's replacing and now there's spray net spray nets bringing the factory painting experience on site giving homeowners a new way to paint their homes and their franchise partners a unique home improvement franchise opportunity so carmelo kind of takes us on a deep dive of how spray nets different i'll give you a little sneak peek he's a triple patent holder and so there's a lot of really cool proprietary science and, and technology that Carmelo and his team have implemented into SprayNet that allows them to provide services to homeowners that traditional paint companies are not able to provide. So it's a fascinating model in that regard. Carmelo's a, a, a brilliant guy with a really cool story and just so much good stuff that he's able to share in this episode with us today. So I'm ready to get right to it. Let's go ahead and drop in with Carmelo Marsala, SprayNet. Hey, Path to Freedom listeners, what's up? And thanks for dropping into another episode. Today, I'm joined by Mar... I just blew up your name, Carmelo Marsala. <laughs> I knew I was going to do that. I psyched myself out for it. Um, Carmelo is the CEO, the founder of SprayNet, uh, which is a very, very exciting, unique, disrupting franchise concept. I won't take too much of his thunder. I'm going to let him tell you guys more about it. But uh, Carmelo, man, really uh, appreciate you making time to drop in here on the podcast with me. Uh, so good to have you here. Thanks for having me, man. Really appreciate it. Um, likewise, I know we've kind of been talking about doing this for a while, so glad it, it finally came together and hopefully the, uh, the audio will hold up on us. I'm having some technical difficulties on my end, but we're going to push through and, uh, and this will be good. So, Hey, you know, tell the audience a little bit more about, uh, you know, kind of just brief introduction on yourself and, and give us just kind of the 30,000 foot view on, on what SprayNet is as a company. Yeah, I guess actually this graphic behind me kind of helps. So. SprayNet's custom chemistry for smarter painting. So basically, uh, I mean, to go back to the roots, uh, I was a student painter with College Pro Student Painting, which was actually also a franchise. Yep. Um, and I was doing regular conventional painting, you know, deck staining, wood, wood painting, et cetera. And people would always ask me, can you, you know, can you paint my front door, my vinyl windows, or my vinyl siding, or my brick? And I was like, ah, not really, not really a good way to do that. I kind of feel bad doing that when I know it's going to last very long, you have to redo it. That's not going to look good. So uh, basically what we did is we realized, well, all these surfaces are painted in a factory. So for example, you buy a brand new front door, a brand new window, that's been painted, right? Like it's black or it's brown or whatnot, been painted but in a factory. That doesn't peel. So we kind of took that idea and said, well, if that doesn't peel, why can't we do that on site? So mm. uh, initially early on, I went to those all the paint factories, I said what they were doing, I took those products, I tried to apply them on site. Problem is those products are typically solvent-based and they dry too fast. Uh, so they ended up cracking on site. So what we did was we had to create custom chemistry formulated specifically for on-site application to deliver that factory finish on site. So I guess high level, that's what we do. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> no, it, well, it's fascinating. And I, I definitely want to get a little more into to kind of the weeds on the, the technical and the, I guess, scientific differences and what you guys are doing, because I think that's important for the audience to understand, because it really is 
a huge differentiator. I mean, it, at first glance, and, and so let's clarify too. So SprayNet, the company that you founded um, is a franchise, right? So you're offering franchise companies across Canada, across the US. Um, so this is a franchise opportunity that people can get into and operate it in their local market. Um, but it, it, at first glance, it, to most people, it's gonna look like a painting franchise, franchise. right? Um, at first glance, but really understanding how you guys are different, how your products are different, um, what you're able to do that most traditional painting companies are not able to do, you know, that's where to me, your business gets very, very interesting um, because it is unique and, and it is disrupting. So, um, but before we dive into some of that, I want to, I want to talk a little bit more about your time at college pro, because you mentioned that's a franchise, right? So you actually were kind of operating as a franchise owner in this, this painting franchise as a college student. Tell yeah, us a little I, bit about that experience. That was actually a phenomenal experience because uh, I actually, well, you know, in, in university, I went to, I got my BCom, which is business commerce or, you know, an administration business degree. And, you know, to be honest, I don't really remember much about university because I wasn't there <laughs> that often, but uh, I learned a lot more doing student painting. Like literally it's like you're 18 years old. All right. Here's how, here's how you run a business, go and do it. And, and at 19 years old, I had I had 20 guys knocking on doors, generating wow. leads. We had we had no money for marketing, right? So it's all I knew. So we're just knocking on doors, generating leads. Then we had no, I actually had five paint crews when I was 19 years old. Wow. Uh, yeah, doing jobs. So like that's a lot of good experience with customers, with employees. Learned a ton doing that. Did that for almost uh, two and a half years. Two and a half yeah. Summer. I mean, I I can see it, right? I mean, I I went to business school and same, right? Like I. Not no real takeaways, right? That I can look back and be like, yeah, that was revolutionary and and really helped me. It was when I really started working and um and that's where I, I started learning. So I, I can see that. And that's I mean, that's for a 19-year-old, that's a big operation. But it's just, it's interesting to me. I've had, I don't know, at least three or four guests on the show that are now founders or executives of franchise brands that were college pro uh college pro paint franchisees when they were in college i mean one of my uh best friends and mentors um was uh was a college pro painter so that's cool and and i would imagine that in addition to just learning um you know some good business skills in in operating that business it also helped you understand the world of franchising a little bit better um which has kind of led us to to why we're here today which is spray net so tell us like you gave us a little bit of the backstory on, you know, just where the idea came from, right? Wanting to be able to essentially paint or coat these surfaces that traditional paint is not ideal for because it won't last, it will peel off um, and, and being able to do it on site instead of having to do it in a factory. So from there, how did you go about actually taking that idea and turning it into a business concept and then actually getting to the point where you said, hey, we can franchise this and we can go go national. And at this point, you're you're across North America. Yeah, well, I guess a few steps. So the first one was uh, finding a chemist who would actually believe that it was possible. Uh, and that was not easy because, <laughs> you know, the paint industry is, is an old, obviously an old industry. Everybody's doing things a certain way. Mm -hmm. And basically people think they've got it all figured out, right? Like there's no new way to do things. Um, and this was kind of, complicated and people don't like to bust their heads so i finally found someone who actually believed in it um and we were able to formulate our first product which was the door and window product so because that traditionally as a student painter that was my biggest challenge because i would show up to these you know million two million dollar homes and they're like hey can you paint my front door i'm like wow i can <laughs> but not gonna look that good so it's I, I, yeah, it's a loaded loaded question right <laughs> exactly so but then I'm like, as a student painter, I was like, well, let me find ways to maybe make the finish better. So I, you know, I started looking at the flow modifiers for existing paint. And then I tried different paints. And the best I can get was, well, an oil-based, at that time was an oil-based alkyd paint with flow modifiers. The flow modifiers do is when you use the brush, it kind of helps to eliminate those brush marks a little bit. Okay. The thing is, when you paint the door, it looks like a mirror, right? It's so glossy because it's an alkyd paint. But you uh. need that for the hardness. 
So I was like, well, this is good, but it's still not good enough, right? So I needed to drop the gloss. I needed to spray it on. There was a whole bunch of different things. So anyways, finally found a chemist who was, was like, yeah, let's try doing it in the water base, right? Like, let's see if we can get it done. Because back then, water base was not where it is now. And we finally got a product that worked. And when we applied it, actually, in the sun, uh, first thing that happened was it actually cracked too. And we're like, what's going on here? What we realized was, well, if you look here, these are two patents. We realized we actually had to adjust those products based on the weather. That's one of our, uh, our process patents. Is if it's too hot, you got to slow down the dry time. If it's not as, if it's if it's too cold, or depending on humidity and ambient air conditions, you got to slow down the dry time. So depending on a whole bunch of factors, you got to adjust the paint. <laughs> so then we created these chemical additives to adjust in the paint, and that's how we came up with our first process. And then we repeated that for all the surfaces that we do today. It's it's fascinating, right? I mean, I I assume most people are like me and have just never put too much thought into like how much chemistry is actually involved in creating different types of paint for different types of surfaces. And then, you know, as you just described, then applying, you know, the, the paint or the coatings um, correctly so that you get the best results. So, I mean, clearly a ton of just time and energy and trial and error going into this and and you mentioned your patent. And so for those just listening to this, Carmelo's got a couple of patents framed and hanging on the wall behind him. Um, Talk to us a little bit about, you know, one, like what are the the patents, um, you know, to kind of cover those. I mean, you don't have to go into a ton of detail, but like what do the patents cover? Uh, talk to us a little bit about the the proprietary products that your franchisees are now able to sell. Like what are some of the different product lines? Because you've got different formulations depending on what what needs to be coded, correct? Yeah, we've actually got 13 different uh formulas because we've got prep products we've got primers and then we've got the actual coatings for each surface so there's seven surfaces that we coat so seven different coatings plus then the associated uh retarders and accelerators to slow down uh and and uh, and speed up the dry time and then we've got different chemicals for, prep, for prepping the surface um so a, a lot of people ask us well did you did you patent your chemistry well no kind of like coca-cola doesn't patent their formula then you have to divulge it, right? We don't want to divulge it. And also they're always being optimized. Like we're on version, I don't know, 270 something of our, of our drone window coding, right? Oh, wow. Every time, yeah, because we're always optimizing, right? Based on, on feedback from franchisees and also based on new chemistries that come out, right? Mm. Uh, there's always new, new novel chemistries. Like just yesterday, actually, we completed a new version of our drone window that we're going to be launching in about 30 days for our franchisees. And we've actually found a way to uh, increase the mar resistance and the slip on the surface. What that does actually is when you touch your door, it's super smooth. When you nick your door with your keys, it actually will, will, will be much less likely to scratch and also it's way more washable. Uh, in the past, what, what chemistry used, what most paints used to do is they used to have these waxes that kind of migrate to the surface, but eventually kind of wash off. This is mm. actually reactive chemistry that will never come off. So we're always working on different ways to actually fortify the coatings, both for application so that it's easier for the franchisees to apply, but also for the customer in terms of final film properties. So what the patents cover is not the chemistry, uh, it's the processes. So we have two process patents and we actually have one chemical patent, but it's a high level patent, which is actually pending, which is on our roof coating, but I'll talk, to, talk about that one later. Okay. So the first one is on the ability to weather adjust, right? I kind of mentioned that briefly. Mm -hmm. um, what most people don't realize is uh, adhesion and cohesion really with the substrate and the paint, what happens is, uh, there's three pieces to it. There's A, you need the right chemistry. Uh, so in terms of surface tension, the chemistry actually has to wet the surface properly. That's number one. Everybody knows, you know, you need the right paint, right? But mm -hmm. most people just buy a latex because a latex is kind of a one size fits all. Okay. It doesn't really work properly for any surface. Uh, then everybody knows about prep, right? You need the right prep. Um, however, for specialty uh, surfaces like PVC or vinyl, you need specialty chemicals uh, to prep those because you need to actually soften the plastic to be able to, uh, to accept the coating. But the, the third piece, which most people don't realize, and actually the most important is the application conditions. Um, mm -hmm. But if you look at a gallon of paint when you buy it, there's a whole bunch of stuff on it that says you can't apply it in this, 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 which basically means never, right? <laughs> because <laughs> there's always something outside, right? It's never got this little people. window of when you might be able to apply it, but yeah, chances like, are still not good. Yeah, like two days a year, right? So, right. Uh, so, so that's why nobody can, can guarantee anything, right? Because mm -hmm. you never have that window. So what we did is we, we realized that, okay, well, we got to either slow down the dry time or speed it up. Uh, and there's there, there are five distinct variables 
uh, that are important, right? There's the wind speed, there's the surface temperature, there's the air temperature, there's the relative humidity, and there's a dew point. Um, so once we have those, uh, those, those, those variables inputted into our software, which is a spray network, uh, it'll tell our franchisee what to do. Uh, so which wow. chemical to use and how much of it. Um, and that's how we're able to kind of address all three of those tenants of abuse. That's fascinating. Um, it, I mean, it really is because it's it's so complex. And again, I, I just imagine most people have never really put much thought into it, but it's a huge differentiator. So you've got 13 different formulations right now. Some of those are kind of preps and primers and stuff, but give us a few examples of like, what are some of the most common surfaces or most common applications where spray net's going to be a much better option than anything else out there. What is kind of like your bread and butter in terms of the, the proper application? Well, we, yeah. So, I mean, any of the seven services that we do will definitely be much better than conventional, right? Okay. Where like, but some of those seven services, conventional painters can't even do at all. Right. So, so for example, stucco, everybody knows you can paint stucco, right? Uh, it's just the formula that we have, the thickness that we apply that, how we apply that, what the composition of the paint is completely different, right? It's not even a paint anymore. It's more of a coating or kind of re, kind of like a liquid stucco that we're applying. So, so in that regard, when you're comparing us to traditional paint, you can't compare us, right? So there is an overlap. Uh, you know, when you when, when the franchisee explains the differences, it's it's pretty much a no-brainer. Where where we're pretty much conventional painters don't really uh, you know can't really do is kind of brick staining, uh, mm -hmm. doing vinyl windows. Uh, they can do front doors and garage doors. I would caution against doing putting a latex on your front door and garage door. There, I'd say we kind of set ourselves apart when we're kind of alone in that space, especially also in, in our new roof granuling service. Um, but uh, those products are really, you, you're actually getting the exact same thing as you get in the factory, but directly on site. And especially for the brick stain, which is cool, it's because it actually penetrates the brick. Um, and hmm. typically you do have these, these brick dyes that you can kind of brush on. Uh, but there's nothing that you can really spray on just because when you spray something on, uh, there's a specific rheology to the paint that allows it to kind of come out of the gun and still absorb into the brick. I know, I know I'm getting a bit technical here, uh, but long story short, uh, it actually penetrates, fuses with the brick, and you can't tell it's been painted, right? Whereas paint kind of rests on the surface and you've got this like gloss to it uh, that not only doesn't look that good, doesn't look natural, but eventually will end up coming off, right? Right. So, so your your formulation actually kind of soaks into the brick, and and it almost looks like the brick was just made in that color originally. Exactly, it reacts with the brick at a chemical level and fuses with it. Yeah. And, you know, we'll post some, you know, links to your website and stuff. You guys have done a good job on your website. You've got some really cool videos that kind of demonstrate how these formulas are actually applied. But I mean, also just some some amazing before and after pictures of jobs that, you know, you and your franchisees have done. So I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes, would encourage everyone listening, go to the website, check it out so you can kind of see some of this for yourself, because, you know, Carmelo is doing a really good job of kind of giving us the the scientific differences, but it, it's very different. Like just looking at it, you know, you can tell a massive difference on the before and, and after pictures. I mean, they're, they're able to completely transform the aesthetics of a home. So are, because you guys have kind of figured out this process of being able to do this on site is the majority of the work you and your franchisees do. Is it mostly retrofitting existing homes or is there a component where you could potentially partner with you know, builders and, and get into new construction as well? I mean, we can. Uh, typically, when we're looking at new construction, what ends up happening is we'll fix mistakes, so wrong colors. Uh, uh -huh. Yeah. Or like, you know, unfortunately, they scratched the door when they were installing it or windows. Gotcha. Uh, but but generally, our bread and butter, you know, 98% of our business is, is residential, is retail, right? It's, yep. it's really a homeowner looking like, ah, man, I don't love my house. What can I do for not too expensive? And, and that's what they call us. Yeah, which makes sense. And, you know, if I'm looking at this from a, a franchise owner's perspective or or a prospective franchise owner that's evaluating a business like SprayNet, just based on my own experience, I love that, you know, most of what you do is is residential work retrofit because it's much better for cash flow. Um, yeah. My wife and I own two franchises, both kind of in the home service, home improvement space. So one of them is like spray net, it's, it's essentially all retrofit work, right? Um, and it's very custom. 
that business cash flows beautifully, right? We take a deposit, you know, when we sell the job, uh, take final payment the day we complete the job. Our other business, an insulation business, we do some residential and some retrofit stuff, but we do a lot of new construction. And it's a very challenging business from a cash flow standpoint. Our ARs are always pretty big. And I was joking with someone the other day talking about that business. I said, I've never heard the phrase checks in the mail so many times <laughs> until we started working with builders and, and essentially being a contractor for them. But that's that's a whole nother conversation. But anyways, wanted to kind of point that out in my eyes. Wow. That's that's a, a really smart approach for a business like this. Well, so we did that purposely because we, we experimented from 2016, 2018, a lot in the commercial space. And it's, it was exactly that is you just don't ever freaking get paid. Yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah. it takes forever. So we tell franchisees, yeah, you can do commercial once you're a bit more mature. Like for you sure. want to do, you know, in your first few years, you got more than enough residential work. Focus on that. <laughs> yeah, which I think is is perfect advice, right? Like, you know, you get a very well-established, strong operating franchisee, and they start getting opportunities to do bigger commercial pro projects. Why not, right? That's just another way they can keep growing their business over time. But I 100% could see why it makes sense for, you know, probably at least the first couple of years um, yeah. to, to really focus on nothing but residential. So, um, look, there's a lot that I, I want to touch on here, right? So glad that we kind of, um, you know, we're able to establish like the key differences and, and what's so unique about SprayNet. One other thing before we kind of shift gears to talk a little bit more about kind of the franchise business model that you've built. Um, you, you know, you mentioned that that a lot of what you guys do traditional painters can't do or if they were to do it the results would just not last and and they would be subpar results do you find that and i'm sure this obviously varies but do you find that most other painting companies would would kind of be transparent with a customer and say hey this is really not something that we should do or do you find that a lot of painting companies will tell clients they can do it even though they probably know that this is not the best option for the client. Does that question make sense? That's a good question because so as a, as a, as an ex conventional painter, I used to tell customers, Hey, I'm not going to touch that. A lot of people are just looking for a buck, right? Yeah, um, exactly. So I guess it depends on the integrity of the contractor. Um, I mean, the guys that are more established that have got a lot of business and they're not like running after pennies. Uh, they'll probably say, Hey, you know what? Not our bread and butter. Um, yeah. But, you know, we've got a lot of contractors. Yeah, right? the fl the flybys, the chucks and trucks, they're, like you said, just looking to make a buck. So so they may be more likely to, uh, you know, take the job and, and do it and not really yeah. worry about the. So, and, and like at our call center, we refuse almost 25% of all calls that come in. Uh, so we pre-qualify, like if it's all wood or if it's peeling uh, or something that's better suited for conventional painters, we literally say, hey, there's no point in, in, in calling us. Like you're not going to get the warranty. You're not going to get the factory finish. Like you can literally get a conventional painter to do this for you. And it'd probably be a better job, right? Like we don't, that's not what we do. It's not our bread. Yeah. I like that. Um, I, I think it's the right thing to do, but also better for your franchisees, right? Cause you don't have them and their, their people running around, you know, spending time on giving estimates where there, there's not yeah. much that they can offer. So, I mean, is there an opportunity for franchisees in their local market to kind of develop referral partnerships with painting companies where they can send business back and forth based on, you know, who's better suited for the job? Yeah. And some do, and we encourage it. Uh, yeah. uh, it's just, it, again, this also comes down to the other local uh, franchise partner, right? So sure. depending yeah. on the other franchise, sometimes they'll be like, no, sometimes yes. Like, so it kind of touches back to what we just discussed. It depends on the, on the person, right? But yeah, yeah, hundred percent. But it's it's interesting to kind of see that that opportunity is there because, you know, again, looking at this from a, a perspective franchise owner's view, you know, and and you know, we've worked together. I've I've placed uh, you know one person with SprayNet that's a franchisee now, and and the initial reaction when you talk to someone about this is like, yeah, but like paintings it's saturated, right? There's tons right. of painting companies out there. Yeah. So, you know, understanding the key differences and why spray net is, is different, I think is very important to fully grasp, you know, how good of an opportunity this can be. And one other thing I want to touch on quickly, cause I don't think it came up. Um, 
but you guys have some interior applications as well, right? Can you talk yeah. briefly about that? Yeah, this was actually, um, so our franchise, we started in Canada, uh, right? And obviously seasonal business here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very cold. <laughs> well, we basically worked five months, maybe five and a half, right? So uh, everything in our head of 19 is basically on five and a half months. Uh, but yeah, so about a year and a half or two years now almost, our franchise said, hey, like we'd like, you know, we'd like a solution for for the winter, right? We want some cash flow all year round. And, and it makes sense, right, from a business standpoint. Sure. Um, but I was very hesitant for years to not get into the interior space because I said, hey guys, if it doesn't fit our promise and doesn't line up with, you know, what we do and being different, I'm not gonna start painting walls, right? Like everybody can do that. Mm. Um, so yeah. we kind of narrowed in on, on the cabinet uh, space and I said, well, there's gotta be guys doing this properly. <laughs> and and so what we realized was it was two, it was, you know, it was kind of two uh, realms of it. It was the, 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 the guy just brushing and rolling it, which obviously is not, not done properly. And then there was people that were kind of doing this properly where they were removing all the cabinets. They were sending it to a factory, spraying them, and then kind of doing the boxes on site. And what ended up happening was I interviewed uh, 10 customers that got this done. And I said, what were your biggest pain points? And they said, well, hey, I didn't have any cabinets for a month. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that was annoying. Uh, yes. B, when the cabinets were installed again, my house smelled like a body shop for like two months. Because uh, they're solvent-based products, right? So they're done in the factory and they're outgassing into my house. So she's like, I was kind of nervous for my kids. I didn't think mm -hmm. this is good, you know. And also it's like my boxes didn't necessarily look the same as my cabinets. So I'm like, wow, okay, even the guys that are doing this right are not really doing this right. Yeah. So if we yeah, so if we can create chemistry for this that doesn't smell that we can do in the house in one day, uh, and you know, do it properly, then we'd be on something. And it didn't, it wasn't easy, but we did that. So we've got a process and the chemistry to do this in a house in one to two days, uh, directly on site. That's amazing. Um, cause I know, I mean, that's a big, that's a big industry, right? Cabinet refacing and, and, yeah. you know, most like cabinets are ridiculously expensive. If you just said, Hey, I want to rip these out and put new cabinets in like that's, that's a project, right? And that's going to get very costly. Cabinet refacing is also fairly expensive, but it's yeah. the right way to do it. Like you said, versus just trying to brush, you know, paint on, so, you know, how are you guys able across the board with all of your uh, different applications? How are you guys able to compare cost wise, you know, to the homeowner compared to, you know, traditional painters or like a cabinet refacing company? Yeah, so I guess there's four spaces now. So there's the traditional painters, mm -hmm. then there's refacing, there's replacement, and we kind of fit in between refacing and, and, and conventional painters. Okay. Uh, so refacing is they actually remove your cabinets, put new doors or reface the whole door. Yeah. Uh, we actually do a liquid refinishing. Uh, so it's kind of like paint, but just a, just a higher, higher grade paint. Uh, same as you get from brand new cabinets, right? So same, same thing, like everything that we do on the outside. So we are, so let's say replacement is, I don't know, 20 grand while refacing would probably be 10 grand. A painter would probably be like four grand. We'll probably be five grand. So okay. we're about... Yeah, we're about half the cost we're facing, about twenty percent more than conventional. Yeah, what a what a sweet spot. Um, yeah. that's that's huge. So, and then you you mentioned briefly, but if you could share a little bit more, you guys have a a roofing product coming out, correct? Yeah. So we've actually uh, this is this is actually not an easy one to, to do, but yeah, so it's been four <laughs> years in the making. I was gonna this say I I heard about this years ago, uh, or, or heard some rumblings about it. Yeah, well, it's because it's not paint, right? This is like literally a liquid roof. Uh, so we have to rethink everything we knew. We have to we have to look at cement pumps, uh, roof pumps. We finally settled on cement pumps. We created a cementitious uh, rheology for this coating. Basically, what it is is roof granules. So the number one reason why roofs start to, to deteriorate is if you look in your gutters or around your house and you've got an asphalt shingle roof, a bunch of granules everywhere, right? Those those end up coming off. Yeah. When you manufacture these roofs, they just stamp them on. So they're not really glued that well, right? So when that happens, that's the only thing protecting the asphalt. So when there's no more protection of the asphalt with the sun, it ends up drying out, cracking. That's how you get the curling and the cracking of your roof. Um, so we figured if we can just glue on new granules, well, we prolong the life of it and we protect it. So uh the thing is, uh we actually what we did is we developed these granules in a resin and the challenge was, okay, how do we pump these out? Right. Uh, so pumping them out was not easy. And we finally were able to, yeah, we're at, we're at 15 years now. Anyways, 
we pump them out through a roller stator pump, which is what they use for cement. Uh, mm -hmm. So we're actually in pilot mode now with a few of our franchises. We've been in pilot mode for about a year and a half now, and we're actually ready for a real launch. Actually, next week, uh, we filmed the training videos. Uh, so we'll be choosing five franchises to launch as of next week. That's exciting. That's exciting. I hope the listeners are picking up on a theme here, right, which is constant innovation. Right. I mean, you said you, you're on version 200 something of one of your formulations. Like, I mean, you guys are always looking at not only how to make the the products and the applications you have better, but also looking at, at new applications as well. So, you know, if you're a franchisee, that's just going to continue giving you, you know, more things you can offer clients um, and, and just more potential revenue streams. So that's something I love to see. And, you know, kind of on the, the same thread there. Uh, I, I do want to shift gears and make sure we talk a little bit about, you know, the franchise opportunity itself, right? So if someone were interested in, you know, getting into a business like SprayNet, what does that look like for them as the franchise owner? Um, but one of the things I know you guys have done very, very well is, you know, great job explaining kind of the sophistication of the actual product and the application process. That's huge. But in addition to that, you know, you've built from what I can see, a very solid franchise organization, you know, very, very modern in terms of the technology stack that that you guys have in place for your franchise owners um, and, and a lot of good support. I know you guys are really, really dialed in on the, the marketing side of things too, to help drive, you know, leads and new business for franchisees. And I think you do a lot of that through digital. So, I mean, talk to us a little bit about um, just some of the different layers of support that you've built out for your franchise owners and the teams that they have in their business? Yeah, well, so one of the things uh, that was fascinating to me was I was actually at a franchise conference and uh, one of the speakers uh, said to the audience, hey, how many of you franchisors have been franchisees before? And I got up and I thought everybody was going to get up and, right. I, and I was like, whoa, okay, I guess. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay, lone wolf so here. Yeah, so all you know, starting franchises, you'll be there with a franchisee here. Okay, cool. So uh, one of the things that we uh, really pride ourselves on is almost all of our franchise support staff have been franchisees before, uh, including our COO. I've been a franchisee before. We get it, right? Like we know what it means to be a franchisee or a small business owner. Uh, so that's first thing. Uh, second thing is we built out a pretty robust uh, team. Like we've got 35 plus members on our team. Wow. Uh, that's yeah, that's huge for 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 a franchise of our size, right? We've only got about seventy franchisees, so okay. uh, of course, some of those people are not they're not all in fran direct franchise support. Some of them are manufacturing, etc. Sure. Center, but just our operations team, we've got over ten people on it. So, uh, and then we've got our people on our distribution center who also support our franchise. People on our marketing team who also support our franchise. So we've got a pretty big team supporting our franchise. So multiple layers there, uh, and and actually three of them uh, did college pro too. So uh, no way. It's yeah, crazy. so yeah, so so Pat RCO did college pro, Kevin RVP did college pro, Gab, uh, Gab was helping me when I was in college pro, Johnny was actually the foreman for Pat at college pro. So we've all got very relevant experience. So we can actually help them because we've hired people that are you know franchise industry coaches, only to realize that yeah, it's cool that you, you know business, but you need to know this business, right? Like this is franchisees want to know about this business. So uh, there's that. We've also throughout the years built a ton of content uh, just because we're not going to hide it. Our business is a bit complicated, right? <laughs> yeah. You listen to speak, right? We've had to simplify that complexity because franchising is about simplicity, right? How do you scale that? Um, so what we've done is what, then we, at one point we had so much content that we're like, okay, well, people have trouble finding it. So then we created a chat bot that they can ask questions to and it helps them find that content. So it helps oh, wow. the franchisee, helps their staff, uh, so we're always looking for different ways to use technology to simplify the, the complexity of our system. Yeah, I love it. And there, there's so much that that you said there that I want to unpack. But one thing I do want to highlight is is what you mentioned about, you know, you and so many of the people on your support team have been franchisees. Guys, that's a big deal, right? Because to Camar Carmelo's point, there's a lot of franchisors out there that, you know, may even have experience as franchisors, prior to the brand they're working in now. And that's definitely good. There's, there's obviously value there, but, you know, having the leadership team be able to really look at it through the lens of a franchise owner and kind of be able to understand, especially for the newer franchise owners, right? Just everything 
I mean, it's like drinking from a fire hose, right? In, in any business, right? And so just someone that can actually kind of, you know, sympathize with that and, and kind of understand where, where a new franchisee is and their mental state. I, I think that's huge. So um, that's amazing. You mentioned a call center earlier, right? So you guys have a call center, which I think in these types of businesses is huge, right? And, and you know, for those listening, because I, I get these types of questions anytime we talk about these types of businesses, people are like, yeah, but, you know, it sounds like the type of business where I'm probably going to have to go door to door, knocking on doors and, you know, cold calling, you know, from what I see, you guys have built out a really robust outbound marketing strategy that generates inbound leads that your call center then handles. You told us about how you kind of are able to pre-qualify to an extent at that level. And they're literally just putting, you know, I don't know if you call them estimates or consultations or whatever on franchisees calendars. And then they, the franchisee or a salesperson for them is going to go out, do a, a consultation talk about some options, give a price. And in this type of business, that's the smoothest process, right? And, and your salespeople are going into the warmest sales opportunity that they could, right? They're going out to meet with someone that saw SprayNet, saw the options that they can offer, raised their hand, proactively reached out and said, I'd love to have someone come out and talk to me about some options. Like they've invited your salesperson into their home. So for the listeners, understand that and, and don't think of this as, you know, hey, I got to have a team going door to door necessarily. And, and maybe that makes sense, too, but it's not it's not built on that strategy alone. No, we don't have any franchisees doing actual cold calling. Uh, I know I mentioned it earlier in the call. That was myself when I was young. I had no marketing dollars. Right? I had no choice. Right. Yeah, you got <laughs> yeah. boots on the ground. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but no, we, that's not really part of our, 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 our launch strategy. Right? But, yeah. Uh, it's, it's also, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if it fits our brand really. I right? just knocking on someone's door. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, that's that's a tough that's a tough way to get business for sure. Yeah. Um, so just wanted to make sure that that the listeners kind of get that right. This is a sophisticated, you know, kind of internal system, really a machine that you've built that generates leads, um, and then actually converts those leads at a high level to sales opportunities, you know, for the the franchisees. So, um, you mentioned earlier you got about seventy five franchisees i said i think you said yeah we're, we're just over 70 right now 70 okay um and and so just for a little bit of context you're you're based in canada started the franchise in canada i think you you've pretty much got canada sold out at this point is that correct yeah basically yeah yeah and then what a, a few years ago kind of set your sights on developing the u.s market and and i know you guys are, are getting some really good momentum here in the u.s and and really starting to expand your footprint so um, what is, what does that kind of look like as we sit here today for the U S yeah, we, we basically started, uh, in the U S from COVID, I think. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect yeah. timing. You timed it beautifully. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so we, uh, man, we're, we're at, we're almost at half, half now U S and Canada, because there's only about 35 franchisees possible in Canada. Right. Uh, yeah. About, yeah. There's like 50, 54 territories. So. We're, we're, we're basically capped out. Uh, so now we're just about that in the U.S. So we're almost half-half now. The thing is, the bulk of our business still comes from Canada because all the U.S. franchises are basically brand new, right? Yeah, it's they're fun. still getting ramped up. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, yeah, our goal this year is to add – so I think we've already added 17 this year. Uh, so our goal is to add 10 more. Uh, we want to get to at least 27, which is, uh, which is a bit more than what we did last year. Uh, and then and then kind of cruise at 30 per year, uh, which is something that we feel that we can handle relatively easily uh, from an onboarding standpoint. We've got a team to do 30 a year. I love it. I love it. Those are really good goals. And, you know, I have no doubt you guys will will accomplish those. But something I want to point out. Right. And and the reason I asked, you know, to you to kind of walk us through that. If you're in the U.S. right now, I mean, you know, obviously sold some franchises. So there's there's some territory that's not available, but you know, there's there's a ton of availability with SprayNet in some really prime markets that are going to be very difficult to find availability in other established franchise brands, right? And so this is a really unique opportunity for for the U.S. in that you know it's it's really an emerging brand in the U.S. Right? Is is kind of the way I think about it, right? Because you haven't had a presence here for that long. 
you know, your footprint's growing, but, you know, you certainly haven't, you know, saturated every market across the U.S. And, and there's tons of emerging brands out there all the time, right? But usually they're emerging in the U.S. and that's where they started. You guys started yeah. in Canada years before, you know, you yeah. ever started thinking about coming into the U.S. So, you know, for someone getting into SprayNet in, in the U.S. right now, this is a really kind of, in, in my opinion, like best of both worlds opportunity because you get all the benefits that come with being part of an emerging brand, prime territory, you know, opportunity to get in early. Likely there's more growth opportunity for you down the road if you want that. But you're also getting all the benefits that come from getting in with an established, mature franchise organization that's had the time to build out all the different support mechanisms that you've kind of explained to us. Um, and, and like you said, has now has a very robust product offering. Um, so wanted to point that out, these types of opportunity, you don't see them very often. Usually it's all right. I really feel better getting into a mature brand. So I just have to kind of take whatever territory happens to be left. Right. Which sometimes is not, not so ideal. Um, or, Hey, I'm going to get in with an emerging brand so I can really get prime territory, but there, there's some risk that comes with that. Right. Oh, um, I, I'm so happy that you mentioned this because we're talking about us in 2016, right? Like uh, yeah. in Canada. <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you, we're not the same franchise as what we were in 2016. I'll be honest. It was a mess. Uh, <laughs> like we didn't have any support. Like we had no support. It was basically me. We had no manuals. We had no content. <laughs> We had nothing. <laughs> like the franchise you're getting today is not the franchise you're getting in 2016. Not, not the franchise you're getting in 2018 and 2019, right? Like every year we had so much stuff. So I'm glad yeah. you mentioned that. Yeah. yeah, which which is you know what what someone in my position wants to see, right? I mean, starting out as a as a new franchisor, you know, it's it's going to be a mess in in some ways, right? And there's there's always going to be you know, learning and trial and error. So kind of the first wave of franchisees that any emerging brand has. They need to be a little more entrepreneurial. They need to have an early adopter mindset and, and be willing to kind of be along for the ride. And a, and a lot of people like that, right? I mean, one of the brands we own, we got into, there was four franchisees operating when when we signed. Um, and, and we kind of like that, right? Because we get to try different things. We get to think outside of the box. We get to really work with the franchisor to help them establish best practices and, and kind of figure some of this out. And and I think for for some people, that's that's actually appealing. It's really not a, a negative thing at all. Um, so to make sure we cover a couple other things that, that I want to have you speak to, um, I'll kind of keep us moving here. But uh, talk to me about who you're looking for as franchise owners. Right. Because, again, I talk about a lot of these home service, home improvement franchises and Almost always, if I'm kind of talking to a, a specific person about a brand like SprayNet, they're going to be like, okay, Wes, like, I get it. It sounds good, but what the hell do I know about painting? Like, I've never done anything like this in my life. How could I own this business? Like, this doesn't make sense. Talk to that. Like, what, what does that look like from your perspective? Who do you want as franchise owners? Well, so that's a big difference between 2016 or 2018 and today, right? In 2016, like, so our first two franchisees were wildly successful in 2014, right? With no training, but one of them had a painting business before, and one of them had mm. a floor installation business before. Got it. So they kind of got it. When in 2016, we started getting bankers and engineers, and <laughs> we're like, whoa, we need a lot more support, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So now, so now we can, we, no, I'm not saying we make anybody successful. You need to have some sort of resourcefulness and grid and whatnot. Sure. But I mean, we, we can cast a wider net now of people that we can make successful in this business just because we've got it way more dialed down, right? That doesn't mean we want people that are not entrepreneurial. Like, we don't want someone who wants a McDonald's. We've got, like, like we're not going to tell you to do A, B, C, D, E. Like, we've got a general process. We've got, you know, the in-betweens, the micro decisions. You still got to figure things out. You still got to think, right? So, yeah. We yep. want someone who's got the drive, the grit, the ability to think, business acumen. At the end of the day, if you can build and lead a strong team, we'll give you all the rest, right? Like, we'll give you the process. We'll tell you how to do it. We'll figure it out with you. We've got good products. Like, I'm not worried anymore. Back in the day, the products were not as user-friendly. The processes were not as dialed in. Uh, so we needed a very specific type of individual. Like you mentioned, your first four or five franchisees, but you can't just can't just be anybody. You need someone who understands that, hey, not everything's figured out yet. Yeah. Now, yeah, I'm yeah. not saying we have everything figured out, but we've got a good amount of it figured out. At this point, yeah, right? there's so, there's a very, very strong foundation there 
Right. And and I, I like the way you kind of put that as, you know, if 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 you've got someone that and you're right, the mindset's important, right? Someone that's got grit, someone that understands, hey, I'm, I'm buying a franchise, which is a system, but it doesn't mean that there's not going to be hard work and challenges along the yeah. way to building a successful business. So, you know, that's key. And, and that's really across the board with with pretty much all franchises. Right. But someone that can build, manage and lead a team. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, because like, I know, I know in the US, like a, a lot of people like, and, and I'm the same way, right? You want to work on your business, not in the business. You want to be an owner operator. And, and we're not looking necessarily for owner operators. And those work well, well in our system too, like one or two territories, owner operators. We've got some, some franchisees that three or four territories that are looking to build their teams, right? Like I, I'm thinking of our new franchisee, Larry Rice in Houston. Uh, he's been in this industry for a long time. He's built teams. Uh, so right off the bat, he's got a general manager, a foreman, a salesperson. There's not going to build a business, you know, that you can work on. So, I mean, it works for both. Uh, whereas historically, owner operators were more what we were looking for, just to do that. The systems uh, yeah. scale properly. Now we've got the software infrastructure, the digital infrastructure, all of all of the the training stuff that you know we can get someone who can work more on their business from the get go. But you still got to learn the business, no matter what. You can't do this part time, right? Like, exactly right. I mean. Yeah. And I, I think that's normal, right? With with a brand like yours, I, I've seen it with a lot of other brands where, you know, the first handful of years, it is mostly owner operators, but then as the systems, the processes, the support matures and grows. And yeah. if you get the right person that knows how, you know, to build a team, yeah. then the model starts to become more conducive for that kind of, you know, semi-absentee. I don't know. All these terms get thrown around, right? Semi-absentee, yeah, right. <laughs> owner operator and, and, you know, like we own franchises and when I'm working with someone and kind of coaching them through this process, I really, I really try to make sure they understand like, look, you know, you're going to hear terms like owner operator, semi absentee, like these are not black and white terms. Like a lot of times you're yeah. like, your role as the owner should evolve over time. It's not going to be the same thing in year five that it was in year one, or at least it shouldn't be, especially if your goal is to get right. some sort of scale out of the business. Right you know, you may, you will probably in a business like SprayNet, you will probably need to be more hands-on. Like you said, you got to, you got to dive in and learn the business, right? How can you yeah. build a team and set expectations for them if you don't know the business yourself, but yeah. you're probably going to be putting in more time, you know, a little bit closer to that kind of owner operator description uh, in the first year or two, right? But if you're doing it right and you build out a good team, you know, you should be able to phase yourself out of having to be so heavily involved in the day-to-day -day and really get yourself to that point where you're working on the business, not in it. And that's, you know, that is what most people, you know, at least say they're looking for when, when we talk about yeah. franchises, they're like, yeah, you know, I want to, I want to build a business that works for me, even if I'm not working, but it's a very different thing to actually be able to execute that um, <laughs> or, or just say that, right. Um, it took all the words right out of my mouth. Man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's these terms get thrown around. And I, I think, you know, especially for someone that's not as plugged into the franchising world as you and I are, it's, it's a little bit confusing. So I try to really spend some time with people making sure they, they kind of understand like, all right, there's, there's terms and then there's reality. Right. And yes. it's, it's not always so, so black and white, but you know, compared to like a McDonald's or I, I think a service business like this, the owner needs to be prepared to be a little more hands-on and engaged. This is not like the investor type of franchise, right? Where, you know, you've got, you know, six brick and mortar locations and, and that is kind of more just do A, do B, do C, et cetera. Like in these service businesses, you need to be able to to pivot. Every market's going to be a little bit different in all likelihood. And so the, the, the the mindset of the owner needs to be a little bit different so well because um, the, the thing is like wes and i like that you said that we're not looking for an investor because the investment is not that big i mean so it's like what 120k like yeah. I mean, we can do that ourselves i guess at that point like what's you know what i mean like we're looking yeah, for something what's the point? At this point yeah yeah yeah, yeah it makes, yeah, perfect, makes sense. perfect sense so, so talk to me yeah. about the supply chain for franchisees because that's another thing that that i really like about your model right so tell us about how do franchisees get the actual products or, or the formulas and, and what does that look like and, and how does that set them up for success yeah so we uh so we have a, a system called the spray network so what that does is from lead to basically end of job it handles the entire workflow including 
ordering of material, shipping, et cetera, et cetera, right? So uh, it's, it's a software that we've created years ago. We spent millions on this at this point. Uh, it was the only way to do it. We had to integrate all of our stuff. There was nothing that existed on the market that could just plug in all, all of the stuff that we needed. Um, so basically what happens is once the job is signed, we know what colors and what, what product needs to be made. So that helps us forecast for manufacturing so that when the job is to be produced, we can ship that job just in time, right? Uh, so we now have uh, two facilities, two distribution centers. We actually, we have three. So we manufacture part of our product north of Montreal. Uh, a big portion of our product is manufactured. 80% of it is manufactured right here, actually, to my left. Um, and actually, I don't know if you can see this, but that's our warehouse there. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. So you're in Canada right now, correct? Yeah, exactly. And now we've got a distribution center. So like a satellite distribution center in Miami. So um, oh, nice. Yeah. So for our Southern US franchisees, just to kind of get product quicker. Uh, we stock, we have a good amount of stock, but we're actually in the process of stocking it right now. So it should be launched in September 1st. Um, so we stock about 80% of the stuff is on the internet. So if they need something quick, uh, 80-20 rule, they can get it from that. As the US grows, we probably have more and more stock there and probably have a bit, another distribution center more section. Um, that's awesome. So key thing there, key takeaways there, no middleman, no third parties, right? So I, I would assume that puts your franchise owners in a position where their cost of goods are lower than, than they probably would be if there were, you know, third parties involved. So stronger margin potential, right? Because of that. And then you guys only make this available to SprayNet franchisees, right? So this is SprayNet exclusive. If you're not a franchisee with SprayNet, you can't buy these, these coatings. No, no, because, well, there's a few reasons for that. A, it's our differentiator, right? And, and B, there's a specific way to apply these products that not everybody can do, right? It's part of our training, part of our process. Our whole thing is going from formulation to application. That's how we're able to do what we do, right? So, so yeah, it's only available to our franchisees. And in terms of pricing, basically what we're able to do by cutting out all the middlemen is let's say you go and buy a gallon of paint that you're willing for 120 bucks, right? Your top paint is 100 or $120. Um, for that same price, we can make a product that is like three or four times the quality just because we don't have all these different channels, all these different middlemen. So we're actually, that's why we're not more much more expensive than conventional painters. We're able to de deliver all this additional value. I love that. Um... Yeah, that's that's huge, guys. I, I want to make sure people understand how important that is, because um, that uh, I mean, I can guarantee because one of the brands we own is similar custom products built by the franchise or no middleman. And then the other franchise, we work through distributors and it's just a whole whole nother ball game, Right. And, and so that's really, really important takeaway, I think. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, uh, so I want to circle back to kind of talking about your franchise owners. Um, and you may have already kind of hit this, but is, is there anything else that you would say that from what you've seen so far really differentiates your your top performing franchise owners from everyone else? Or is it really just kind of that that grit, that ability to to build a team and and kind of, you know, phase themselves out of being so heavily in the business? It's funny, man, because like that, like somebody wants to ask me, what's your biggest challenge in franchising? And it's figuring out who's going to be successful. Yeah. Uh, because everyone's amazing at the beginning, right? You come, everybody's excited, everybody's amazing. It's when they get that first punch to the face is they get <laughs> knocked down, yeah, or they keep going. And that's how do they punch, respond? Third punch, right? Yeah. So, so grit, man, is so important. Leadership, so like building team. But also, what I've realized has been a pretty important indicator, and it's so random is responsiveness. So you've got franchisees, especially in the beginning, that like. You know, you'll send them an email and they'll respond like three days later, two days later, and they'll go MIA for a bit. And it's like, whoa, I don't like, and then you got people that are super responsive, always on the ball. And it's funny because those responsive people always end up being the most successful franchisees, right? So you got to be on the ball, like in all aspects, not just to be successful in this franchise, just in general. I feel yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. it's true. That's, that's a very interesting indicator. I, I've seen that as well. Just, you know, how yeah. quickly people respond. Um, yeah. Yeah, and and you know, in my opinion, you guys handle the the process of adding new franchisees the right way. And what I mean by that is, you, you really don't sell franchises; you award franchises, right? Um, yeah. 
you know, I've got a guy out in Arizona that's now a spray net franchisee. He went through a pretty, a very thorough process. And that, that process was two-sided, right? It was him learning. It was him gathering information, him asking questions, him trying to determine for himself if spray net could be the right fit for him. And if you and your team were the right partner for him, but at the same time, it, the, the process was very much aimed at SprayNet getting to know him, gathering information about him, kind of assessing, hey, do we think he's got the right mentality, the right skill set? And, you know, towards the end of the process, he had to meet, you know, one on one with, you know, you and other members of the leadership team. And, and you know, there was a short waiting period where he had to find out if he was actually going to be approved or allowed to become a franchisee. And, and that's how the really good brands out there do it. And, and that's, that's counterintuitive for a lot of the people I work with that haven't really researched franchises. They, uh, I see people almost come into to the research phase of it with their guard up, like thinking, all right, I'm about to talk to a salesperson and they're about to sell me on, you know, why this is the best franchise ever created and, and there's franchises out there that take that approach for sure, right? They'll they'll sell a franchise to anyone that can can write a check. We used to to joke and call it the mirror test, right? If they can fog a mirror, they they can be a franchisee, right? Um, I, have a, yeah. so, I have a funny story on that actually. So yeah. uh, so uh, two, about two weeks ago, um, I called Ben and I'm like, hey Ben, are you giving my cell phone number to people? He's like, of course not. Why? I'm like, some guy just texted me saying he's pissed off that we didn't approve him as a franchisee and he wants to speak to me right away. I'm like, how did this guy get my phone number? So he Googled and must have found, I don't know how. Somewhere. Yeah. And I'm like, hey man, I'm like, I'm sorry. If you didn't make the first part of that process, like, I'm sorry, you're not going to text me. I'm just going to reverse it all now. Our team decided we weren't a fit for this, right? Like there's nothing I can tell you now or reverse. Like I trust my team. Like we, we, we know it's several so. Yeah, like we're, we're not just going to make anybody. <laughs> hey, right. Who knows how long he had to spend digging around online to, to find your cell phone number somewhere. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, yeah, but it's the right approach, right? I mean, it's, it's long-term, you know, that's how you'll protect the integrity of the brand. You know, you may, you may grow at a a slightly slower pace with that approach, but you're going to grow with the right types of franchise owners. You know, we've talked a lot today about how your business has evolved over the years. And, and this is another example of that, right? 2022, you now have a much better idea of who's the right type of franchise owner than I would imagine you did back in 2014, 2016, and even, those early even days. La- even just even just last year, because the U.S. has been a bit different, right? So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Just our first U.S. franchisees versus now. Like I'm looking at the quality of franchises that we bring on board. I'm excited, right? Like it's funny because so I, I usually do the intro for our, our our confirmation day, and I say four things. I'm like the goal of this day is to answer any any remaining questions you may have. To find out, do you like us? Do we like you? And can you see yourself killing it in your territory? Those yeah. are the four questions we need to answer <laughs> during this during this confirmation. That's all that really matters, right? But yeah. you know, and yeah. and I think you, I know you guys do a good job of this. The other thing that's important with this whole kind of mutual evaluation process is, you know, not not trying to make the franchise look like something it's not, or not trying to make it sound simpler than it is or easier than it is like all of these businesses have challenges right um and you said it earlier in this podcast you're like look i'm not going to sugarcoat it this is there's a lot of complexity to this business and you know you've done a good job of of making it as easy as it can be now for a new franchise owner to to learn what they need to learn but it's not just going to be like overnight success and and there's brands out there that i've seen that you know really kind of paint a picture for a candidate that makes it look a lot easier, a lot less challenging than it's going to be in reality. And so they're in for, you know, a little bit of a a surprise once they actually, you know, start going through training and and start, you know, working on getting their business up and running. So um, that's, that's important too. I tell people like, look here, right off the get go, here are the pros and cons of our business. The pros are, you know, it's very difficult to get into this business, right? There's a high barrier to entry because of, you know, the custom chemistry and all that stuff, like the patents and all that stuff. So as a result, we're able to, you know, charge a premium, it's easier to get jobs, et cetera. The cons of that is, hey man, there's 13 proprietary chemistries, you have three <laughs> different spray guns. There's a lot, it, it, it's more complicated than, you know, a junk removal business, let's say, right? Like I'm not just going to pick up stuff. 
Like there's a lot, there's seven different surfaces that we do. There's there's a lot more complexity to this. So if you're cool with that, then just just understand that the learning curve is going to be a bit steep. That's all. Yeah. No, no, no. It's uh, well said. Um, I, I think that's a beautiful way to explain it. So, um, well, look, man, I mean, anything else on the horizon that, that you guys have coming up that you want to share with us or just anything that we haven't touched on today that you think would be good for the audience to hear? Actually, we were on Netflix and it aired yesterday. <laughs> I so, know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's actually a cool story. So what happened was uh, Netflix reached out to us and they said, um, hey, would you like to pay to be on one of our shows? And I said, hey, you want to have $250,000. I said, well, no. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah, I'm like, that's like, you know, half our brand fund. Forget it. Or <laughs> more. Anyways, yeah, back then. Um, so, so, then, so then, like, a few months later, they're like, hey, we're willing to do it for $50,000. i am like, look, we're not, we're not going to pay for this. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, we're, you know, a franchise, have a brand fund. We, we like these other stuff. So then, like, three months later, they call us again. They're like, hey, We've reached out to like every paint company in the world and nobody can do this. <laughs> nobody can stay in this brick and nobody wants to paint this vinyl in darker color. Can you guys just do the jobs for us? And we're like, well, okay. And yeah, we'll pay for the job. We'll do that. And then we're like, well, at least at least you're recognizing that, you know, this is a job for spray net. So we actually ended up being on two of the eight episodes. So uh, episode three and seven of Instant Dream Home. Uh, on the first one, we stained the brick. Uh, we painted all the windows. Really good episode because like the bulk of it was exterior transformation. The second episode, I was I actually was there for eight days in Atlanta uh, filming. It was crazy. There was like 150 people on set. It kept raining. We had to stop. Uh, but anyways, this was a huge house. We did the, all the vinyl on it. So anyways, really, really cool to say, hey, when some, when Netflix needs to stain their brick or paint their vinyl, they call Spray Net, right? So, it, it's yeah. so cool, man. We were uh, emailing back and forth to kind of coordinate this, and you sent me a link to it. And so I actually put put on the first episode that that spray net was on last night and my wife's really into you know all of this one of the businesses we own we do custom shelving and custom closets so like she's all about transformations and stuff like that so she was like fascinated with it um but it's so cool but the the i guess the theme of the show is like they they plan out this extensive renovation or transformation that they're going to do to a house but then they try to do all the actual labor in one day right? It's crazy. It's, it's madness. Was, I'm not even joking. There were over 150 people on set with camera crew, like other contractors. Like we were just stepping over each other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, you could see that just from like the, the final episode that aired. I can only yeah. imagine what it was actually like to be there uh, and, and not, you know, just what they actually put out there. So yeah, really cool opportunity, but also just a testament to, you know, where you've gotten this brand to today. Um, it's a phenomenal business, you know, if it's a testament to what you've done with the brand, right? I mean, to the point where, you know, Netflix is reaching out, they tried contacting all these other companies. It's also, it's also a testament to how differentiated the business is. So, you know, just a really, really cool business. I, I love these types of businesses and in, in this category. And, and I've talked about that a lot on the podcast, but, you know, just from what I've learned about you and the team that you've built, you know, you're, you're a great example of a franchisor that's doing it the right way, has franchise owners best interest in mind, um, and, and just can't speak highly enough of it. So, I mean, to kind of wrap this up, tell me what's the vision, uh, where do you want to see spray net five years from now, 10 years from now, and, and even beyond? Yeah. I was leaning on our walkers about the mission and vision here. Uh, it's really to be widely recognized as the most cost-effective way to increase property value, right? So mm. I want, yeah, because we that, that's really what we what we do, right? There's no more cost-effective way to increase property value. And the only way to achieve that vision is to have more locations all across the U.S., right? Like uh, we want to do that across North America. The more locations we have, the more we'll be recognized. Like in Canada, we're pretty recognized as that. Yeah. We've achieved our mission. Uh, now we got to do that in the U.S. So we want to do that all across North America. So it's basically scaling through new franchise partners and, and, and supporting them to, to succeed. I mean, it's relatively simple, right? At this point. Yeah. <laughs> relatively yeah. 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 I love it, man. That's a hell of a vision. And I have zero doubt that you guys will, will be able to, to accomplish just that. So um, look to wrap this up, where can people connect with you, learn more about you? Where can someone go if they're interested in seeing if there's a spray net franchise near them? Cause they want to look at having these services on their home. And where can someone go if they're interested in learning more about the franchise opportunity? I think the best place is just our website. So spray, spraynet.com. 
uh, or SprayNetFranchise.com. But if you go to SprayNet.com, there'll be a link to the franchise website too. Uh, so really all the information that is there, everything you could ever need is really on our website. Love it. Love it. We'll put links for all that in the show notes, make it easy for people to find. But Carmelo, really appreciate you making time to do this, man. Keep up the great work. Um, love what you're doing. And uh, I'm just going to watch you guys keep growing. And, you know, hopefully I'll be able to keep sending some good folks your way uh, when it makes sense to do so. But really appreciate you dropping in here on the Path to Freedom podcast. Likewise, man. Appreciate it. Talk soon. Yep. Thanks. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know when a new episode is released. You can also check me out on my website at www.path2frdm.com. And if you want more information about franchising or just want to say hello, feel free to contact me at Wes at Path2FRDM.com. Thanks again. Now go drop in.